Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, April 12th, 2021. Well, congratulations, everybody. You have made it through, as of today, the first five books of the Bible. And this is where many people kind of usually suggest that they they start out trying to read through the Bible in a year, but they don't make it and they don't make it through those first five books. People talk about the end of Exodus or Leviticus or Numbers as places where they kind of lose steam, they get behind and they never catch up. Well, you have now made it through the first five books of the Bible, but let's think about that for a moment because in Psalm 119, it says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Or Psalm 1 talks about the blessed man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And you've probably heard that the Jewish word that is usually translated law is Torah. And when people refer to the Torah, specifically, it's talking about the first five books of the Bible. And so even when you step back and look at different statements like that in scripture, and then you compare that to how you hear kind of the average 21st century American talk about the first five books of the Bible, they kind of present some stunningly different perspectives. And so today, as we wrap up the book of Deuteronomy and now wrap up the the first five books, the the Pentateuch, the Torah, or the books of Moses, whatever you want to refer to these as, I want us to take some time to reflect. Can't you, now that you have read through these five books, look back and say, oh, how I love your law? And yes, there's some parts that might be difficult to understand, or it may seem a bit tedious, but each of these books, we've seen incredible things. I mean, think back to the book of Genesis and and, man, you want a a case study in the faithfulness of God. I mean, look at the stories of Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob, and, and then the story of Joseph. Consider how amazingly faithful God was in all of these different ways and to all of these different People, shouldn't that have an effect on your life? Remembering how God kept his promises to Abraham and how God was faithful to Joseph, even when he was mistreated by others. Think of the book of Exodus, right? And think of how often we're going to see, even going through Psalms and the rest, how often they come back to the events of Exodus, right? Even the feast of Passover itself, going back to how God delivered the people, how God parted the Red Sea. These were the stuff that the people of Israel would worship God for, for thousands of years and things that we should still be worshiping God for. But then even you think about those later chapters of the book of Exodus and and you think about how, you know, it gets into a lot of the details of the tabernacle and the instruments of the tabernacle. Yet it's right in the middle of all of that, that we see Moses cry out to God and say, show me your glory. And we see God reveal himself and, and pass before Moses and describe his character and describe his glory as he speaks And Moses hears God describe himself, and we get that little glimpse into the glory of God. Uh, Think of Leviticus, and even in the midst of all of uh, a lot of rules and and sacrifices, we, we see a clear picture that God is holy, and sin is to be taken 
seriously. And then in the book of Numbers, right, which begin and end with the book of Numbers, but in the middle we saw there's a lot of lessons to be learned about faith. And that's ultimately the crux on which uh, the book of Numbers swings, right, is a lack of faith as they do not go to possess the land, but they turn back towards Egypt in fear. Where Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, are showing us what faith in God looks like. And then in Deuteronomy, which as we've talked about is it literally means that English word Deuteronomy, second law, Deuteronomos, right? We, we've seen kind of all of these lessons from the first four books brought back to us. Now, what an amazing uh, way for us to see God, to see his character. I hope that as you have now made it through the first five books of the Bible, you can say, oh, how I love your law to God. And even as you say that, you're you're thinking even of the lessons that we have learned from the law, from the first five books of the Bible. Now, as we end today, there's a couple images, right, that we may, you might see in the news, um, you know, big events that gather a lot of attention. And this first one I want us to think about is the state funeral, right? Think about when a former president uh, passes away or, or somebody very important like that. And there's a big deal, a big to do with their, their funeral, right? And their body lies in, in state, you know, in the, in the Capitol building or whatever it may be. Well, here we come basically to the death of Moses, And remember, Moses has now been the leader of Israel for 40 years. That's a long time. And he has led them out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and now right up to the borders of the promised land. And in chapter 33, he gives a blessing and you see him say a lot of different things to different tribes. It's kind of similar to the end of Genesis when uh, Jacob talks about his 12 sons, although Jacob points out many of the failures of his sons, even in that speech. And this more reflects on the future of some of these tribes. But even I want us to think now as we wrap up the book, the books of Moses about the character and the example of Moses. Uh, look at the end of chapter 33, or yeah, the end of chapter 33, starting in verse 26, it says, there is none like God, O Jeshurun, and that's a, another word to refer to the nation of Israel, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And even just as you think about that, it really reflects with the one psalm that we have that is attributed to to Moses, Psalm 90, and it uses some of these same phrases of God being our dwelling place and just the eternality of God. And so you see these words that Moses is saying here, that there is none like God, and he rides through the heavens to our help, and that he is our dwelling place, and that we can, as the old hymn says, be leaning on the everlasting arms. As we think about Moses, we should see someone who not only said that, he lived that. And we should make it our prayer and our aspiration that we would be people that live that as well, that we would be people that when we get to the end of our lives, when we are getting to our own funeral, right, that we would be able to say we lived like we believed that there is none like God and that he is our help and he is our dwelling place and that we can lean on his everlasting arms. And right at the right before that, in verse 25 at the end, he's talking about the tribe of Asher, but there's a, a phrase that has kind of stood out uh, and been kind of cherished by Christians throughout the ages, and that is, and as your days, so shall your strength be. 
This idea that God will give us the strength for as long as we live to do what we need to do. And that is, I think, a biblical truth for every Christian. And we see that's another thing that Moses lived out. Even in chapter 34, as it talks about him when he passed away, in verse 7, it says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated, right? Even though clearly he was not perfect, and even the reason he cannot go into the promised land is a consequence for a sin that he committed in a way that he disobeyed God. But still, when you step back and look at the whole of it, he was a person that ran the race until the end. He was a person, again, that lived out this idea that as your days, so shall your strength be. And may we be people who love the law, who love the books of Moses, and follow the example of Moses. And I hope that encourages you on this Monday as we start a new week. Well, we talked about the the state funeral, and you've probably seen that in the news before. The other thing you've probably seen before is the royal wedding, right? And you think about that, you know, over in England, whenever one of those royals gets married, I mean, it is a big to-do. Well, in Psalm 45, it seems that this is some kind of record or song about a royal wedding, even in the in the description is it before it begins the actual text of the psalm it calls this a love song and it's talking about the king and it seems to almost have a sense of of romance right it refers to him as the most handsome of the sons of men and grace is poured upon your lips right it seems that there's some of those ideas in this song. So maybe it's a, a song with the idea of the king or uh, a royal uh, prince or something is, is getting married. And, and that is the picture that we see here in Psalm 45. And in verse six, it says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And here in that picture, I think, one, we should get a sense of just how beautiful it is for a nation to have godly leaders and maybe something that we should be praying for in our own communities or in our own nation. But also, even as we think about the kings of Israel and ultimately the Davidic line of kings, it does get us thinking about the king that would come, the Messiah, the ultimate picture of the king that would fulfill the promises made to David. And maybe those verses give us a little bit of that flavor that the throne of Jesus Christ is forever and ever. And he is the perfect king and God has anointed him and given him the name that is above every name. So we pick up some of those pictures really kind of from Psalm 45 as we read this royal psalm and even kind of this royal wedding psalm there in Psalm 45. Next, we go to Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 to 56. And here we read uh, the actual crucifixion of Christ where he is on the cross. And we read about the, the darkness We read about him crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we uh, read about him yielding up his spirit and the curtain of the temple being torn and the dead coming out of their tombs. And even I just think about that, right? And what I want us to think about as we prepare now to go to Romans 6 is just that image, right? That as Jesus is, is crucified, as he dies, and as the curtain of the temple is torn, right, the dead come to life. 
And so even as we've talked yesterday from Romans 6 about how salvation is more than just we're forgiven for our sin, that's obviously a huge part of it, right? There's also the sense of there is a new life. And even how we see that, boom, right there at the time of the crucifixion itself. And again, we can't leave this passage without noting the response of the centurion who watched this, right? Likely this pagan Roman who sees all of this happening. And there's only one conclusion he can come to. Truly, this was the Son of God. And we know that conclusion is true. And because Jesus Christ has been crucified, right? The the veil has been torn. We have access to God and the graves have been opened. We can be set free from a life of sin and death and suffering. And really that brings us now to what I want us to think about as we end up Romans chapter six. And it very much continues in some of the thoughts that we looked at yesterday, that we are set free from sin, we are raised to live a new life, and we need to think that way. And in the, our section today, verses 15 through 23, he kind of asks them and points out to them, hey, whatever you're offering yourself to, that's what you're a slave to. And so that's another reason why shouldn't we just keep sinning since we're not under law, but under grace? Well, because if we keep sinning and if we keep presenting ourselves to sin, then we're showing we're still slaves of sin. And that's antithetical to the gospel that we're to be set free from sin. And I want to point out to you, starting in verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is kind of the follow-up to him saying, stop offering yourselves as slaves to unrighteousness and impurity and offer yourselves up as slaves to righteousness. When we offer ourselves up as slaves to unrighteousness, that's just going to lead to death. When we offer ourselves up as slaves to righteousness, that is going to result in sanctification and ultimately eternal life. And so as we start this new week on Monday, that's kind of where I want to wrap up today is for you to think about your own life. And maybe you look at the past and you see ways that you were set free when you became a Christian, right? Big sin patterns in your life that ceased or totally changed when you became a Christian. Well, today I want you to think about where are you right now and what are some of the temptations that you are likely to face today, this Monday at the start of a new week. And as you think about what those temptations are, I want you to think, what are you going to do? Are you going to offer yourself up to these temptations and have to then reap the fruits of that? Or are you going to live out the freedom that Christ has won for you by offering yourself up to righteousness and seeing the sanctification and the joy and the life that will result from living that way? And I hope that this encourages you to have that perspective as we start this new week, that we would love the law of the Lord and that we would live that out as free people set free from sin and death. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.